Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org. Join us now as Pastor Keith Moore shares today's message. Well, October the 6th, we crank it up, and uh, the Sunday before, a couple of Sundays from now, September the 29th, we're throwing a big party here on our campus, lots of food, lots of music outside. Uh, there'll be a, um, uh, a small group fair uh, to help us all get connected in our um, six-week, 40 days in the Word uh, group experience. And uh, you can sign up. In fact, we need you to sign up. For that, if you'll reach in your bulletin and take out this form, there's a tear-off. It's got a lot of information there that you can uh, uh, use, give you some, some all the who, what, when, where's. But if you're already in the existing group, we need to know it. If you um, uh, need to join a 40 Days in the Word group, you can uh, indicate that you'd like to be a part either of Uh, one of the large group experiences here on campus that will be Wednesday evening and Sunday evenings right here in this room. Uh, They'll, we'll have the uh, live teaching, the teaching on the screens, and then we'll have discussion groups around tables and uh, there'll be a host at each table uh, that you'll be a part of uh, each, each week. Let us know if you prefer Sunday or, or Wednesday, that would help. If you would like to be a part of a group that meets in a home or a business or a restaurant or somewhere, uh, indicate that. Uh, and this would really help us if you have a preferable day of the week and time of day, if you would go ahead and write that on your form here, uh, that would save our team a couple of communication steps um, to, uh, to get you connected uh, in the group. So we want you to uh, be a part of that. You can turn these in uh, in the basket when we pass them at the end of the service or go to one of our 40 Days in the Word tables in the lobby and out on the patio. Uh, give them your form. You'll get a little more information there. As well, you know, we uh, our church, Dogwood Church, has a uh, uh, we have a unique relationship with New Hope Church in Fayette County. In fact, we are kind of related to them like no other congregation in the area. In that, oh, about twenty-seven years ago, uh, I was serving as one of the assistant pastors at New Hope, and the church came to Allison, my wife. Uh, and me and ask us if we would come to this end of the county to start this church, a brand new church. And so we did. Uh, they were incredibly supportive. I mean, they, they paid our full compensation for two years. They prayed for us. They sent members. I mean, they, it was an incredible way to start a new church. So uh, in, in, uh, in church world, uh, you would identify this relationship as we would be called a daughter church of New Hope, and we would call them our mother church. That's the way that kind of works. So uh, we've had a great relationship with them all along. My good friend Reese Stinner is the senior pastor there, and they're in the middle of a big celebration. Uh, they have uh, a newly rejuvenated uh, worship center on the north campus. They just kind of op- reopen the doors, and they're having a month-long celebration and, and dedication of that uh, uh, facility to God. As part of that, uh, they have invited us, Dogwood Church, to join them next Sunday evening, September the 22nd, 
uh, 6.30 in the evening for a community worship service between the two congregations. And so um, Reese has asked me, I'm going to be speaking in the service, but uh, it's just going to be a great time. Make plans. It'd be great fellowship with our brothers and sisters at New Hope. And uh, so, well, take your Bibles, uh, turn to the book of Galatians. If you got it on your smartphone or your iPad or electronic device, go ahead and get to your scriptures there. And let's pray. Lord, we, um, we come to you. Uh, you are our cornerstone. Uh, our hope is built on nothing less than your blood that was shed for us and the righteousness that was imputed to us by your work on the cross and resurrection from the dead and our trust in you. Uh, we trust in you. Lord, in your unchanging grace. And now, Lord, we pray that you would open our eyes that we may see wonderful things from your word. Teach us what faithfulness looks like. And teach us by your grace that we may become faithful. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Hey, uh, we, we sang a song with a bunch of kids at the first of the service. By the way, church starts at 11. Just, I'm just saying and uh, But if you weren't in here at 11, uh, you, we, we sang a song that I bet many of you... Uh, how many of you know the old, um, the old hymn that goes, my hope, is, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus... You got the hands? Okay, how many of you know, lean on me... When it, look at us, that's our church. We know lean on me way more than we... Oh, well, I don't know what that says about us. But anyway, we sang that song. Sing it with me, Ready? Lean on me, not strong, and and I'll help you. Okay, yeah, yeah, you get, we got it, we got it. Good, not bad. We could get a bus, go on the road. Maybe not, Barb. Maybe not. Maybe not. Uh, but I, we, we like that song. I hear us frequently say things. Uh, like this, and you, you, know, you can count on me. Uh, often in our culture, I'll overhear conversations where somebody says, trust me, just trust me. But I've discovered that people can't always lean on me. People can't always count on me. People can't always trust in me. For try as I might, and with all of the good intentions of my heart, I find I'm just not dependable all the time. I don't always do what I say I'm going to do when I say I'm going to do it. I want to, but I find that I, I do not. We, we have a problem. And because I'm not always trustworthy, faithful might be another good word to describe what the Bible means when it says trustworthy or dependable. Uh, because I'm not always faithful, I find that I might have difficulty at times trusting in God. Because it's kind of a default setting we have as human beings because we, we know that if we're not always dependable and they're not always dependable, then, then who's dependable? Is God always dependable? Sometimes we have trouble trusting God. Well, we're in a series of services called, Are You Who You Want to Be? And we've been going to the Bible to see what it has to say about the kind of person that God can and will make us to be. 
if we live in intimacy with Him, ever-increasing closeness, relational closeness to Christ. Uh, and, and this life is described in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. It's a list called the fruit of the Spirit. I think it's going to be on the screen. Let me read it for you. This is God's Word. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith or faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now on your electronic device, if you would highlight the, little, the two words, such things, if you've got your Bible, circle that little phrase, such things. What this means is that this is not an exclusive list. This, these are not all of the, 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 the characteristics that God will produce in our lives if we live in intimacy with Christ. There are other places where the Bible speaks of compassion and humility and forbearance and, and uh, many, of, many other things. But this is, this is a pretty good list here. Today, we have already in this series examined love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. And last week, Pastor John Warnock unpacked the concept, biblical concept of goodness for us. Today we're going to look at faithfulness. Faithfulness. What it means to be faithful. What faithfulness looks like. Now, goodness that we looked at last week and faithfulness are, as you study these, they're closely linked. Closely linked facets of the fruit of the Spirit. Um, goodness means moral Purity. Uh, it, it has to do with moral goodness, uh, meaning like God being morally pure. Uh, we discovered last week that God is absolutely free from anything wicked or evil. He is holy, He is righteous, He is just, and He is always holy and righteous and just. He always is. He's always completely right, completely pure, completely holy, completely righteous, completely just. Always. And this is what the Bible means in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, when it says, Now this is the message we have heard from Him, and declare to you, God is light, and there is absolutely no darkness in Him. See, God is good, and He is the best definition of goodness. Now, faithfulness has to do not so much with moral excellence as with integrity. It has to do with truth. Uh, faithfulness means being true. Faithfulness means telling the truth. Faithfulness means proving to be true. Draw a circle around all those. Being true, telling the truth, proving to be true. Draw a circle around that, and that's pretty much the concept, biblical concept of faithfulness. And so... Um, our best example, again, is God Himself. So let's take a look at what, the, what God says about Himself. First of all, jot this down. Uh, God is true. Now, uh, here's what the Bible means when it uses the word true. It means genuine. It means authentic. It means real. It means uh, internal and external integrity and an alliance or alignment, rather, between what one appears on the outside and what they are on the inside. It's, it's the being a uh, kind of a, a what you see is what you get. 
what I, what, what I appear to be on the outside, I really am on the inside. Uh, notice, no, no discrepancy there. No, the opposite of hypocrisy. Genuine, authentic, real. Now, in ancient Israel, in their history, as we read it in the Old Testament, we find that they encountered in the culture false gods. Many, many, many false gods. Uh, but their God, Yahweh, our God, the God of the Bible, is described as the true God. Now, Jeremiah, the prophet, uh, wrote, inspired by God's Holy Spirit, uh, the words of the book of Jeremiah. And if you go to chapter 10, you'll find there that he describes in verse 5, um, a very kind way to say it would be with considerable satire. Uh, another way to say it would be with blatant sarcasm. He describes the, the false gods that some people worshipped. He said they constructed idols with their own hands from wood and stone and then held together by nails and, and, and by bindings and then worshipped them. Yet they could not speak, they could not walk. It was, in, it was incredible to Jeremiah, but commonplace in the world in which they lived. Of the Lord, however, in verse 10, he said this, but Yahweh, Yahweh is the true God. He is the living God and the eternal King. The reason you hear the term the living God is because every other God in the world is not living. He's the living God. Uh, in fact, he says, God says of himself frequently through the scriptures, uh, there, is no other, there is no other God. I am him. I am it. Uh, not only are they not living, not only are they dead, they're non-existent. I'm the only God. And so he, um, in Scripture we find in John chapter 17, verse 3, Jesus addresses God the Father as the only true God. He said, this is eternal life, that they may know you. Remember, this whole thing of eternal life is all about relationship. Knowing, not knowing about, knowing God. Growing in relational closeness to God. Moving consistently into intimacy with God the Father through faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, you, the only true God, and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. Here's a few more. 1 Thessalonians 1.9, God is referred to as the living and true God. In 1 John 5.20, God is referred to as the true one and also the true God. In Revelation 3.7, God refers to himself as the holy one, the true one. In Revelation 6.10, God uh, is called the one who is holy and true. In Revelation 3.14, God is called the Amen, capital A, the Amen, the faithful and true witness. Now, he's called faithful and true, which is redundant. It's the same thing in the Bible. Faithful means true. True means faithful. It, it's, it was a literary device uh, so that the writers of Scripture could hammer home the reality. God is real. God is genuine. God is true. God is pure. God has integrity. He is authentic. He is faithful. He is true. I mean, it's like, it's like get it? Get it? And he's the only one who is. So... This is part of what it means to be faithful. No hypocrisy in God. God is true. Now, 
you and I can depend upon someone, capital S, who is that way. You can tr- we can trust in God because what we see is what we get. How he presents himself is how he really is in the Scripture. Now, here's, here's something interesting. God expects you and God expects me to be true, free from hypocrisy, full alignment with our internal life and our outer life. Uh, several places the Bible describes it as being pure and blameless, a pure inner life that results in a blameless outer life that causes no one to stumble. doesn't mean perfect, doesn't mean perfect, but it means integrity, free from hypocrisy. Now, some of you have criticized the church for being full of hypocrites. Uh, My grandmother would have said, would have said, takes one to know one, but I, uh, and there's a little bit of truth in that uh, too. But it's interesting, uh, the reason that you may have accused the church of being full of hypocrites is because, well, like it is. So, uh, and, the re- and the reason it is, is because not only is the church full of hypocrites, every organization you know is full of hypocrites. Your family, your school. Uh, matter of fact, everybody you know in one sense is a hypocrite in that we, we don't have full alignment between our, our heart and our outer life. We're not exactly as we appear to be, even if we're trying hard. Now, let's get back to the bigger picture of hypocrisy. Um, C.S. Lewis, who was one of the great writers and thinkers of the mid-20th century, said this, that those who are unaware of their own hypocrisy are the hypocrites. People who are aware of their own struggle with hypocrisy are not. Those that think they have it don't have it, and, and those that have it don't think they have it. I can't say that again. I worked all morning to try to get that straight. <laughs> and so as we look at this, and God expects us to be true, authentic, internal and external integrity, then we, our response is, oh, no, I have a faithfulness gap. I have a dependability gap between the, between the person I want to be and God expects me to be and the person that I really am. I need outside help. But God doesn't. He's always true. Not only is God true, second, jot this down, God tells the truth. God tells the truth. God represents things as they really are. Samuel, the great man of God in the Old Testament, it's interesting, this is the most scholars believe this year, uh, 2013, is the 3,000th anniversary of the death of Samuel. Uh, Most scholars believe he died around 1013 B.C. It's a while back. A person of great impact, we're still talking about him today. I doubt anybody's going to be talking about me 3,000 years from now unless it's my mama in heaven, and she might. But um, she likes me, and I'm glad she does. The, um, but Samuel was the great man of God. He was the last judge of ancient Israel, the first prophet in ancient Israel. He is the one that God had appoint Saul as the first king of Israel and appoint David as the second king of, of Israel. And here's what he said 
to Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 29 about God. Furthermore, the Eternal One, the Eternal One of Israel does not lie or change His mind. For He is not man who changes His mind. Now the Bible also tells us in Titus chapter 1, verse 2, that God is the God who never lies. Let's take another step up. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 18 tells us that it is impossible for God to lie. Now think about this progression here. 1 Samuel says God does not lie. Titus says God never lies. Hebrews says God is impossible for God to lie. These, these passages here tell us they're affirming more than the fact that God does not or will not lie. They're affirming that God cannot lie. God cannot lie. It is, lying is not in his nature. He's not, it is not in his essence. It is not in his being. Lying is contrary to his very nature. Uh, and so God tells the truth. You can trust him. He tells the truth. Now, God has appealed to you and me as his people to tell the truth. Uh, to, be, uh, to be honest in all of life's situations. Uh, I, uh, how many of you know who Dr. Leonard Keeler is? I've got a photo of him on the... Anybody know who he is and what he did? Yeah. Leonard Keeler invented the lie detector, he, the polygraph. That's a picture of him uh, testing it. After he had tested 25,000 people, 25,000, he made a public statement. And here's what he said. Human beings uh, appear to be... Deceptive. No kidding. Oh, 25,000? You know, he could have saved some time and, and opened the Bible. But when we open the Bible, I'm not reading it. You know, I, I like that phrase from Stephen Curtis Chapman song that says, I opened the Bible and read about me. I'm, there's something in me that is deceptive. Faithfulness means that I can be counted on to tell the truth and be honest in situations, depended upon to tell the truth. We're expected to tell uh, the truth, but there's only one problem. I don't always tell the truth. You don't either. Not always. Uh, sometimes this is called diplomacy, like when people leave the service and say, great message, Pastor Keith. You know, that's d diplomacy because they're not always so great. But... Um, one writer said it this way, depending on what's in our heart, certain things will come out of our mouth, even lies like this. Jesus said that what is in your heart will come out. If my heart is full of resentment, then I'll find myself telling cruel lies. If my heart is filled with fear, I'll find myself telling cowardly lies. If my heart is filled with insecurity, I'll find myself telling conceited lies. If my heart is filled with selfishness, I will tell calculated lies to get what I want. If my heart is filled with laziness, I'll find myself telling convenient lies. Oh no! We have a dependability gap. I have a faithfulness gap between the kind of person I want to be and the kind of person God expects me to be and the person that I really am. But God doesn't. He always tells the truth. God is true. He tells the truth. Number three, God has proven to be true. God has proven 
his faithfulness. Faithfulness means that he has proven himself dependable, faithful, trustworthy. Because God always keeps his promises. God does what he says he's going to do. And God never has to revise his word or renege on a promise. In uh, Numbers chapter 23, verse 19, the Bible says this, God is not a man who lies or a son of man who changes his mind. Does he speak? Here's a rhetorical question. Does he speak and not act? Oh, no. Does he promise and not fulfill? Of course not. He speaks and acts. He promises and fulfills. 1 Thessalonians 5.24 says it this way, He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. 1 Corinthians 1.9 says God is faithful. 2 Timothy uh, 2.13 says if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. One of the most famous historical accounts of God fulfilling a promise is found all the way back in the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, in the story of Abraham. You know, all three of the big, the big three world religions all look back to Abraham and his encounters with God. Islam, Judaism, and Christianity all, all look back to Abraham. You can read this there, I think beginning in about, right at the end of chapter 11 of uh, Genesis and, and go on through a good segment of the book. Here's what happened. Abraham was the first follower of the God of the Bible that we know much about. And, and as, as God called Abraham, he made a promise to him, not a prom- just a promise, a covenant, and said that through you I'm going to create a great nation. He said, your descendants will be as many as more than the stars in the sky. And through you, the world will be blessed. All nations will be blessed. Not just the nation that's going to come from you, but through you. It was the promise of the Messiah that through your descendants, Jesus is going to enter the world. The Savior is going to enter the world and bless all the nations, bless all people, make a way for all people. God gave his only son so that whosoever believed in him will not perish but have eternal life. The whole world through that one. He made that promise to Abraham. So you're going to have a son. We didn't have one at the time. He was young. He had a young wife, Sarah. Sarah was barren. We find through the story of Abraham and Sarah, the first pain-filled story of infertility. Many of you know that the, the, the great desire for children, but children not coming. Well, that's what they experienced. God kept coming back and said, remember that promise? Abraham said, okay, okay. Well, finally, they just, they'd all given up. Abraham was old, old, older than dirt. Sarah was well beyond childbearing years and God fulfilled the promise he proved himself faithful he's been fulfilling his promises ever since you can trust God with your present and your future because he has proven himself to be trustworthy by his activity in the past not only in your life but back through history He is the faithful God. That's why we sing, great is your faithfulness. Oh, God, my Father, there's no shadow of turning with thee. I mean, there's not a, you'll never change. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. 
All I have needed, your hand has provided. When Allison and I uh, moved to Fort Worth to begin training for the ministry at Southwestern Seminary, we miscalculated. And we got there, and week after we were there, we ran out of money. And uh, the move cost too much, and Allison started work earning uh, $450 a month uh, teaching school. And uh, I'm, she didn't have a paycheck due for a month, and there we were. So we looked at each other, and, and God prompted us, and we turned to a promise that we had memorized but now had an opportunity to to live out. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek first God and His kingdom, and all these things shall be added to you as well. If you read that whole passage, he said, food, clothing, what you need. You, You seek first me and my kingdom, and the things you need will be added to you as well. And so we kind of looked at each other across the that little Formica top, kitchen table that sat in the the kitchen dining room bedroom you know that that whole married housing thing where it's all right here and uh, we said I guess we're going to see if we believe what we say we believe and so uh, we ate up all the food we had and uh, you know the mail would come in and There'd be $5 from her grandmother or this, that, and the other. We'd never missed a meal. And finally, the last week prior to her paycheck, uh, I was at lunchtime sitting at that same table studying for Greek class that was coming up that afternoon. There was a knock at the door. And I opened the door, and there was this nice lady there and said, Welcome to Fort Worth, and handed me a box. And it was kind of the welcome wagon lady. And there was a box, all this food. And and there were uh, coupons in there for uh Free meals at all the finest restaurants in Fort Worth. We went out to eat every night <laughs> of that last week until the paycheck came and laughed about it. Laughed about it. Okay, okay, we got it. We got it. Great is your faithfulness, O oh God, my Father. There's no shadow of turning with thee. Now you can trust him, he keeps his promises. But we don't. There's a dependability gap. Well, what do we do about that? You see, many of us have proven to be totally unreliable. Many of us have proven to be totally undependable. God cannot depend upon you, nor can the people closest to you depend upon you. You have disappointed them over and over and over and over, no matter how. And you've tried and tried again, just get tr- and you've said, trust me, you got, just trust me, I'm gonna, I'll be better. I'll, give me one more chance. Hey, I'm, I got it. I'm back. And no, you've proven to be totally undependable. But all of us in this room have proven to some extent to be undependable. Every one of us. I mean, if we read these scriptures rightly, if we read them rightly and we take them seriously, we realize nobody lives up to this. No one. And God wrote these things, even God writes these things to teach us that nobody lives up to this standard. Uh, and, and so therefore, we are sinful people, weak people in need of outside help. We're in need of a Savior. 
We're in need of God. We're in need of Jesus to turn to him and say, help me. Help me, Lord. But God is faithful. He tells the truth. He's proven to be dependable. He never changes. So therefore, you can trust him. You can put your faith in him. You can follow him. Even when darkness hides his face, you can rest in his unchanging grace. Even when you're in the valley of the shadow of death. So the question comes, well, then how do I cultivate faithfulness? Because it is God's intent that you become faithful, that you live that way. Three ways. Ready? We're going to jot these down. This is the yes, but how part of the talk. First of all, I admit that I'm not. Lose your pride. Stop looking at yourself through rose-tinted glasses. And admit to God that you are not always dependable. You are not always faithful. You are not always trustworthy. And admit it to Him. And turn from your self-driven life. Put your trust in Him. Lord, I am powerless to become a faithful person on my own. I need your help. I need your grace. I need your spirit. Number two, here's the phrase. So admit it. Number two, walk in the spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5 is in the context of a greater discussion by God through the Apostle Paul about what life in the Spirit looks like. Galatians 5.16 says, Walk in the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the, the flesh. It says that we are to live by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, be taught by the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit guide you into all truth. Never stop living your life intentionally yielded to the empowering, the filling, the control, the direction of God the Holy Spirit. Moment by moment. Live in a constant awareness of, I am trusting in you. Remember, uh, when, among many other things, when you placed your faith in Christ, the Bible says God gave you his Holy Spirit. He took up residence in our hearts and lives and wrote God's law on our hearts, gave us brand new hearts, gave us his presence and power to transform us and empower us, motivate us and enable us to love God and become the kind of people that he wants us to be. And so we do that. We, we never stop walking in the Spirit and being aware of living life in the Spirit. I admit that I'm not. I walk in the Spirit. And number three, I'm gonna, here's the phrase I'm going to give you to hang this truth on. Fill my mind. Just put, fill my mind. And what I want you to fill your mind with are the truths of the gospel. Fill my mind daily with the truth of God's Word. Let God and His Word define reality for you, not the culture, not uh, the society in which you live. And what I mean by that is you let God define who you are and where you're from and where you're going and what He has done for you. Among many, many, many other things that... Uh, the things that Christ did in you and for you when you placed your faith in him, he fundamentally changed your heart and your identity. Well, we need to affirm, it's a biblical practice to affirm daily the realities of the gospel and rejoice in them. I'm just going to give you my, I have these morning affirmations that I, I read through as heartfelt prayers of gratitude to God. And I'm just going to take you through some of them. Right now, if you'll email me 
I'll send you the copy. But if you don't email me, I'll never remember to do it. So email me. But this is, what I, this is what I fill my mind with at the beginning of my day. And I say, Lord Jesus, I thank you because all you have done for me, I have freedom today from the penalty of sin because you died for me. I have freedom from the power of sin because I died with you. I have fulfillment for this day because your Holy Spirit lives in me. Uh, by faith, I ask you, Holy Spirit, to live your life through my body today. I thank you that I am completely accepted by God the Father because of my faith in Jesus. And that will never change. I thank you that I am being transformed day by day by the power of your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I thank you and I ask you to guide me into all truth today. Holy Spirit, I thank you and I pray that you will produce faithfulness in me today. Turn me into a faithful person I have trust in you, Lord, and I have trusted you with the details of my life today. I have a deep and confident trust in you because you are true, you tell the truth, and you have proven your trustworthiness to me. Thank you, Lord. And then I bust the doors down. I mean, that's the, that's the best pregame and halftime talk you can ever have. And, and so that is a, that's a spiritual habit. That's a spiritual practice. We... We let God and his word define where we're from, who we are, whose we are, where we are going, what we are and who we are to be and what we're going to do. Not the culture. Admit that I'm not faithful. Walk in the spirit. Fill my mind. Got it? Okay, let's start now. We're going to have a time of prayer. And uh, I'm going to ask you, just to come before the Lord and say, I need your outside help. Here's how I'm going to do this. Now, don't do this because everybody else is, but, but if you're here and you really would say, I, I'm, I'm ready to admit that I'm not faithful, and I want to walk in the Spirit, I want God to begin to develop faithfulness in me because I can't do it in myself. Would you just, when I mean, you're serious about this, just, would you just stand kind of as a confession to your brothers and sisters in Christ? Then I'm going to pray f- for me and you and, and us. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for these men and women and students uh, who confessed their inadequacies to you. And And I also, Lord, do the same. We are not always dependable. We're not always trustworthy. We're not always faithful. You've not always been able to depend upon us people closest to us have not always been able to depend upon us and some of us are radically unreliable but Lord you are our hope and so I pray now on behalf of all of these that you would grant them grace 
daily, moment by moment, each day, to admit to you that they're powerless to be faithful apart from you in your grace. And that you would enable them daily to walk by your Spirit, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to walk by the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit, to be taught by the Spirit, to be guided by your Holy Spirit, to be sustained and strengthened in their inner being by your Holy Spirit. Fill them and fill me, fill us with your faithfulness. And Lord, grant them grace each day to practice the habit of letting you and your word affirm whose and who and where they are and where they're going and what they're going to do. Fill their minds with the affirmations of the gospel daily. Lord, thank you for your great faithfulness to us. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information about Dogwood Church, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org.